Hello, you're welcome to If I Were the Minister for Education from Onshaw.net. Episode 53, Scrap Private Colleges of Education. Before I begin this episode, I think I'd better start with a disclaimer. I worked for a private college of education for about six years. In fact, I was one of the heads of their department, in inverted commas, because this college didn't have departments as such. Uh, but for want of a better word, uh, I was one of the heads of their department for best best part of three years. And I'll be further honest, my time there didn't end well. However, that isn't the reason for this episode. The purpose of this episode is not for me to avenge my feelings of mistreatment or anything like that. Not that anyone would be listening to this podcast that would make a difference for it. But it's really to logically argue the point the private colleges of education are generally not a good idea, whether it's the college I worked for or any other private provider of teacher training that has been there in the past or will be in the future. So with that in mind and without further ado, I shall probably tiptoe my way through this episode for obvious reasons, but I will say that if I were the Minister for Education, I would scrap private colleges of education. Hello, hello, and you're very welcome to this week's episode of If I Were the Minister for Education from Unshaw.net. This is Simon Lewis speaking. Look, I'll be absolutely honest with you here. Now, I'm always honest in my episodes, but I'll be absolutely honest here. Of all the episodes of this podcast I've ever written, and just the 53rd of them, this is the one I'm actually most nervous about. And I'm even, I'm too nervous to even tell you why I'm nervous about this episode. But I imagine it won't take you much of an imagination for you to understand why I'd be too nervous to say why I'm nervous about this episode. Have I mentioned the word nervous? Anyway, Apart from all that, a huge proportion of you listening to this podcast would have earned your teaching qualification from a private college as a postgraduate. And I want to say, I mean, I suppose before I say anything else, um, that I absolutely don't question in any way the standard um, of a teacher that comes out of any teacher training college. I mean, look, I know it's very, very trendy to divide and conquer these days when making points, um, but I'm really not interested in doing that. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, the most important thing about a teacher is not where they got their qualification. Um, in fact, for me, it's probably the least important thing, in my opinion. I mean, ultimately, um, even if I did have a kind of an opinion on teacher training colleges and, and all that sort of stuff, it's really, um, I have absolutely no qualifications to say which college does it best and does teacher training best in fact to be honest with you i mean from my experience we all come out the same uh, way uh, with the same qualification and a, and a good teacher is going to be a good teacher no matter what college they went to it's not the college um i would suggest it's probably the teacher however my beef with private education providers is that their purposes a, a private provider of anything is has a different purpose or main purpose uh, than a public provider of anything. It doesn't matter whether it's for education, whether what it, what it's for. Um, it's really, you know, they, they have different agendas. And, you know, my experience of, of as I said, from working there uh, and didn't end well, but it's not the reason I'm doing this episode. I'm actually celebrating um, the history of a private body, despite the fact that, in a way, the, by the end of it, I, I do suggest that the time has come for it to end. Um, and uh, ultimately, that's really a summary of the episode. I'm going to uh, tell you a story 
uh, behind um, this really, really excellent project. But ultimately, that it's time really is no more. It's no, no, it's not really needed anymore. And maybe it's time for it to um, retire. Not that it will. Um, and also, before anyone else says it, I just need to say, sorry, I'm full of disclaimers at the moment. I realise that technically most colleges of education are privately owned by private bodies. I, I mean, I, because I said, oh, you know, a private college is very different to the public colleges. And I do realise that all teacher training colleges are private bodies. However, for once, um, I am excluding my wrath, uh, I guess, uh, towards religious bodies who privately owned all these teacher training colleges. Because to be fair, they're in, the entire education system was 100% denominational until the late 1970s. And even now, over 40 years later, they account for 96% of schools. And I think it would be very harsh uh, for me to describe them as private bodies because they were they were basically providing an education for the for the for the schools that they ran as well. I mean, in fact, it was a bit of a cartel, for want of a better word. But ultimately, because most schools are private bodies with public funding, these private bodies also get public funding to get it. Whereas the colleges that I'm talking about are purely private. They are they receive no public funding. Anyway, with all that out of the way, let's let's start talking about private colleges. And as I'm recording this episode, my understanding, and it's 2021, is that there's only one college in Ireland that trains people to become teachers, one private college. However, I want to future-proof this episode, and given that there's still not enough teachers in the system, it's very possible that a second teacher training college uh, might emerge, uh, perhaps outside of Dublin, which would make sense um, for if there is to be a teacher training college uh, privately set up outside Dublin with all the QQI qualifications and all that. Look, most people know the reason why um, a private college for te- training teachers was established. But for those of you who don't know the history, um, here's a little history lesson for you. And the reason why um, a private college for training teachers was established um, was because Uh, and this won't surprise anyone, there was a huge shortage of teachers back in the early years of the turn of millennium, around the year 2000. Everyone was looking for jobs in IT uh, with the dot-com bubble, uh, which interestingly burst in 2001. But anyway, um, there there were just no teachers around. And the government had seriously underestimated how many qualified teachers were actually needed in the system. Meaning the population was starting to grow. And it wasn't surprising at all to have unqualified people teaching children in primary schools at the time. And in fairness, I was one of those people. I was one such soldier. And I always say it was the best teacher training I ever got. But to be fair, um, even though I say that, the actual teacher training I got was probably the best teacher training I got, uh, if I'm if I'm totally honest. And when I was in my only year of uh, teaching unqualified, and I'm calling it teaching in inverted commas, I think about 10% of us in that school were in the same boat. I mean, it, it, that's, there was a lot of, I was in a big school, there was, an, it was uh, there were a lot of untrained personnel teaching in the school. But by the time I'd qualified, while it was on the decline, um, I taught alongside people who had no qualifications. And it was a kind of a sticking point for, for a lot of people. There were people that were teaching beside me who had absolutely zero qualifications. I didn't really know what they were doing, in fairness. And I say that because I was one of those people. We didn't really know what we were doing. We didn't have the the, the, the qualification to, uh, you know, we were kind of playing school, let's say. And it became a bit of a, an, it, was an, it was an issue. Um, but in the background, you know, there was a lot of work going on 
to uh, professionalize uh, the teaching profession because it wasn't good enough, really, to be honest with you, that we had people who essentially weren't qualified to do the job of a teacher teaching um, groups of children. But and one of the main aims of this uh, this body who was uh, this work that was going on um, was that one could only teach in a school if they were qualified, suitably qualified to do so. And with that, the teaching council was born. Wow. Uh, yes, the teaching council, uh, uh, a, uh, an entity which is decried by many teachers at the moment. But its purpose initially was to ensure that everybody who was um, in the world, uh, in a school teaching, was qualified to do their job. And in fairness, they um, they did manage to do that after a while. It actually didn't happen instantly. And to be honest with you, they spent their first number of years trying and failing to do that one job it was supposed to do. But they did get there in the end. And in fairness, to be fair, again, I have to be fair to people, much of that wasn't their fault. There simply weren't enough teachers in the system. So, I mean, really, what else could we do? If there aren't enough teachers, you can't just, you can't, close classes. I mean, it wasn't as if people didn't want to become teachers um, either. You know, there were plenty of people, myself included, that didn't realise they wanted to be teachers when they were 17 or 18. And the only avenue to becoming a teacher and staying in Ireland was to do a full time uh, qualification. So you couldn't work and do the qualification at the same time back back in the day. Um, and this basically meant it was uh, prohibitive uh, financially for most people uh, because you didn't have the flexibility to work part time and study to become a teacher. Um, it just wasn't available. And the traditional colleges were basically too slow to change their model. And blended learning, I suppose, was very much in its infancy back then. Um, I don't know if you remember um, Durris, I think what it was called. DCU offered this thing called Durris, which was a blended model. But there, no one was really doing anything that wasn't 100% face-to-face learning. So when the opportunity arose to open a teacher training college that would allow people to still work part time in their schools. So they were so, I mean, essentially, we had these unqualified people working in schools and they had to give up their job in order to get the qualification. So they didn't want to do that. So the idea really, in a way, was you could still work in your school and do your qualification uh, as you were still working. So you'd actually have the practical experience and effectively convert your degree over to a teaching one uh, through this thing called a grad dip. Um, And it opened the doors to people who could never have dreamed of becoming teachers without it. However, I don't think anyone thought that the college that got that, uh, that actually opened, which I'm sure as all of you know is called Hibernia College, would be any more than a stopgap while the traditional colleges updated their systems to equal what Hibernia were offering. And for the rest of this episode, I'm going to focus on an article from the Irish Times in 2003 um, which was headlined Hibernia's lucrative deal stirs controversy or controversy um, and I just find it a fascinating story really I mean I, I kind of knew this story um, you know we, I mean I'm, I'm of a vintage where uh, I was familiar with the, the story of Hibernia College and in a way I, I suppose this is the celebration of uh, of this college because I, I love um, a good story of entrepreneurship. Um, to be honest with you, I really, I really enjoy it. And basically, this uh, Irish Times article in two thousand and three spoke about this budding former school teacher, Sean Rowland, who previously was a director of the Irish operations for Boston College. Who he had basically launched this Hibernia College two years previous to that in 2001. And his plan, according to the article, was to develop an online learning on matters of Irish interest for the Irish American community. And courses would basically be offered online via Irish centres in all the North American cities. And I'm, I'm quoting here, by the way. And in its first two years, the article claimed 
<laughs> sorry, I'm not laughing because I had a badness, you know, but I mean, just to think about it now where it's come from, um, it had lost over uh, up to 800,000 euros. So its first two years, it had lost a huge amount of money. And uh, essentially, it seemed to be a failure. And the article basically continues, against this background, Hibernia's success in winning approval for the online teacher training courses in Ireland basically, as they said, represented a considerable coup. And they wondered, how did this happen? And I just love that story. I mean, that is the start of a really good uh, story, isn't it? About a, a, a man who started this great idea, was losing a fortune, and then all of a sudden it starts to turn around with this interesting contract that um, that basically was probably unexpected, I'd imagine, uh, even for him. I don't know, uh, but... What, a, what an interesting story. And personally, I find it really fascinating. I love to find out why why anything happens. You know, I love to hear the stories, of whether whatever it might be, whether it's how drama kind of somehow became a discrete curriculum subject, you know, and, and there's a story behind that too. I mean, it's very strange why drama is the only uh, literary arts subject that has a discrete subject of its own, or even to like how Drihid became embedded into our education system. And that's another story which uh, I will come to uh, in, a, in a future episode. Uh, I, I, I haven't gone there yet, um, although I do mention it quite a lot of podcasts. And while we've already gone through the answer as to why Hibernia College was born, the Irish Times has a knack of saying things so much more succinctly than I can. And I'm just going to read the article because, uh, read the bit of the article, it's only a paragraph of the article of how Hibernia was born. Two years ago, media reports which highlighted the huge number of untrained teachers in primary schools that was up there was up to 1,500 according to some estimates unleashed considerable contro- controversy. I think the Irish Times like the word controversy. In broad terms, the problem surfaced because the Department of Education had seriously underestimated the number of primary school teachers required and as a result, pressure was building for more teachers. However, the article goes further into the story and as someone who is around at the time, there are names that just come up in that article that are so familiar to me and, and their part in the story is just wonderful for me anyway. I mean, it's just more for me, it's wonderful. I don't know if it is for, for you. And I'm not for one moment saying this is a scandalous story by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, I think it's the opposite. The story of the opening of Hibernia College to me is inspirational. Absolutely inspirational. Anyone who can find a niche anywhere is good for me. Whether that's Barry O'Callaghan, who, um, and again, I don't know if you're, he's familiar to you. Some of you might know him recently from uh, Dragon's Den, the Irish version of that. But uh, he was, uh, back in the day, he founded an educational software company called Riverdeep. And um, uh, I, I, I don't know if people remember this, but he sold it for over $100 million around the turn of the millennium uh, to someone, you know, and I just think that's a fascinating story. But then, you know, you've got, Sean Rowland there, who's basically created this hugely successful business through Hibernia College um, uh, by finding a niche. And according to the article, the Department of Education initially distanced himself from this college, um, despite assurances to the contrary of, of Rowland. Um, again, there's a, I have the link to the website there. Um, if you search uh, Irish Times, Hibernia's lucrative deal stirs controversy, you'll find it there. Um, Politicians at the time also eyed this proposed course with suspicion, interestingly. Most notably, Simon Coveney, who might sound familiar uh, familiar to you, and Dinny McGinley, who I can't remember, to be honest with you. I'm sorry, Dinny, if you listen to this. Uh, But McGinley was the one who stated, there's 
There are facilities there in colleges of education that should be used instead of handing over this important task of training primary teachers to the private sector. Um, and I'll come back to that in a while. But even the INTO got somewhat involved and were moved to deny suggestions that it recognised or even accredited the course, which is kind of interesting. Because anyway, it didn't really matter because it was HETAC at the time, that's now QQI, who were in charge of recognising courses. And the panel, which consisted, and it's interesting the names that are here, um, it consists of Joe Cox, uh, who is a program validation consultant on St. Cudman from IT Carlo, Anne Carthy, who is a training and e-learning expert from IBM, Marjorie Murphy, who is a retired teacher from Dublin. I, I, these, those names don't uh, aren't that familiar to me. The next name is though Jared McHugh. Um, for those of you who um, Jared, Jared McHugh, I uh, I haven't seen a, seen sight or sound of him for a while. I, I imagine he may have been re he he may be retired now, but he was everywhere. Um, to be honest, with you, at the turn of the millennium, um, and uh, highly inspirational um, character. Uh, the head of uh, Dublin West Education Centre. He would have been involved in loads of IT projects. Uh, I think he even took over the NCTE uh, as it was on the PTSD Technology and Education on the uh, interimly um, uh, for a while. But anyway, he was the teacher and director of an education centre in West Dublin and they deemed the course to be suitable. And HETAC stated the course was subjected to the most rigorous assessment and met the highest of standards. So it was all good. And not only that, the nine recognised teacher colleges, though, they said that the approval for Hibernia, and this is what they said, not me, it represented a, dil a dilution of academic standards and an attack on the professional status of teachers. They further, furthermore, they claim that the uh, development threatens the quality of teacher education, the professional status of teachers, and even the well-being of primary school children. That is fairly strong words from the nine teacher training colleges who are no longer nine teacher training colleges. They've all been amalgamated into each other. So I'd say someone's laughing now. But um, anyway, they haven't said that for quite some time. But I'm just giving you the background. This is about 2002, 2003. But ultimately, look, the Department of Education had the final word and it said the decision of the minister, Mr. Dempsey, that's Noel Dempsey, is that he will recognise the qualification from Hibernia so long as all the conditions set by HETAC are met, including those relating to quality control. And it is without question that nearly two decades later, Hibernia College is now the chief provider of teacher training to primary schools in Ireland. Sean Rowland, um, was very, very lucky to have inspirational educators alongside him. Uh, to name two, uh, Dahi Averahu and Michael O'Reilly were amongst his first lecturers. And this was a transformative model of education, uh, for education. Um, and uh, I, I absolutely uh, would suggest it was a super uh, innovation and transformational. And while I don't know if it was the intention Hibernia College not only was to provide a hugely innovative form of training for teachers through a blended model of face-to-face -face and distance learning, before distance learning was even a thing, it also had huge potential to break down the barriers facing people wanting to become teachers. And this is where I felt um, was a was 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 something it could have it could do uh, more than any other teacher training college. It was and to a point still is the only the only teacher training college not controlled by a religious order. And and just as an aside before you say it, I am aware that DCU as a university is not controlled by a religious order as such, but their teacher training 
uh, of course, still is. Um, until a day comes that DCU stops discriminating on the basis of religion to their teacher training college, Hibernia College remains the only, genuinely only, secular teacher training facility in the country. Anyway, back on track. It was no surprise that in its earlier days, Hibernia College attracted innovation and people really wanted to work with them including myself um, and I did as uh, as I said earlier for, uh, for six years and uh, and promote and, and went up uh, the ranks uh, to being the head of their pedagogy two module uh, which was Irish English uh, maths and computer science um, so the core subjects and computer science um, their focus you see for me they're focused on utilizing the power of technology for training and the potential to make teaching a more diverse and enriching place Certainly, I can only speak for myself, was hugely attractive to me um, and I wanted to be part of it. However, there's a problem. And this is, where I suppose, the crux of this episode. Hibernia College was only innovative for a short amount of time in the general context of things. Other colleges caught up with the uh, postgraduate model and the blended approach. Um, there were a few wobbles as well uh, for Hibernia College um, and these are not you know, any secrets or anything like that, they are all in the public domain. It turned out that despite being the only teacher training college in the country without links to the church, it was actually impossible, and I think still is impossible, to pass the course unless one studied and passed the religion module of the course. And when I say it's a religion model, module, it's the Catholic religion model uh, uh, module. And even Catholic teacher training colleges have made this uh, module optional. Um, I don't know the reason for this, um, and uh, I, I, I mean, I'm certainly, I have my theories on it, uh, but in reality, um, you know, there, I'm, I'm one of the very few people that actually even cares about it, because unfortunately, um, the whole uh, avenue for increasing diversity into our education system, uh, Hibernia College have not succeeded in making uh, teacher training a more diverse place, despite uh, the fact that they uh, provide um well, they're, 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 they are a secular uh, training college. Um, but what, what, where, am I, where am I? I suppose, look, I suppose, look, I, uh, let's get back on it. would be very, very hard, for, uh, very harsh for me to blame Hibernia College for it. Uh, and I'm not actually blaming them uh, because they certainly, but they, I mean, look, in fairness, they don't actually do anything to diversify the, the student population. They don't even, they, as a private body, they can certainly um, do something to diversify their student population. For example, I know when uh, certain schools Special schools were converting from being private entities back uh, in the uh, about a decade ago uh, to being public bodies. Uh, the Department of Education paid Hibernia College to train up some uh, people who weren't qualified teachers, and uh, this um, allowed them to become qualified teachers. So there are ways they could be involved in diversification of the uh, of the teaching pop uh, population. But uh, they, 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 they don't. I mean, I often tell the story that when I worked with them, um, there was this initiation day in, in Maynooth University, in the University of Maynooth, uh, where several hundred students gathered in the lecture hall to be spoken to by the college heads, uh, myself included. And before the students arrived in the door, we'd be up on the, on the, on the stage or whatever, um, the platform. Um, and I always wondered and I always wished that it, there'd be one person in the lecture theatre that would come in that wasn't white. Uh, anyway, before I was disposed of, it never happened, I suppose. And, you know, look, maybe things have changed since I've been there, but um, I don't know. I'm not involved anymore, uh, but just sharing my own experience. However, none of this really is the problem. You know, I mean, that's just stories. Uh, to be honest, right now, Hibernia College is now no different and no more innovative 
than any other teacher training college these days. And I don't mean that with any criticism. You know, there's, I mean, it's okay to be the same as everyone else. And its model is pretty much the same as it always was. And almost 20 years later, it sort of sits in the landscape as just another similar option to the other colleges, except for one important distinction. And that important distinction is the fact that it is a private, completely private college. So it's now the time where I categorically state that I'm not inferring anything by what I'm about to say. I've no such evidence whatsoever to suggest that this college is doing anything that it shouldn't. I, I don't. I mean, I'm not, and, that, and even saying that sentence uh, suggests that I, I, I that, that I think there is. I don't have anything to suggest that the college isn't doing anything it shouldn't. And in fact, if I'm honest, I would love for it to be as bold and as controversial as that 2003 article in the Irish Times claimed it to be. I'd love if it if it moved with the times really and became even more innovative. There's so many ways it could do that. Um, but look. I'm, I'm uh, no longer with them, so I have no longer any influence, uh, but I certainly am entitled to that opinion. The problem with any private college is that it can pretty much do whatever it, they can, whatever it pleases, to be honest, more or less whatever it pleases. And they don't actually have to tell anyone because it's a private body. And as long as they maintain the correct academic standards, they can do whatever they want. And for me, I mean, I suppose that has a, it, its huge advantages. They could do very interesting things. For example, wouldn't it be wonderful if they were the first college to have a dedicated module to ethical education, proper uh, ethical education. Now, actually, they wouldn't be the first one now. They, I mean, wouldn't it have been great if they had have done that before everybody else got to it? Uh, but um, wouldn't it be interesting if they'd gotten if they got rid of the ICT module and made sure that all their curriculum subjects had ICT as a uh, method, as, as, a, as a particular part of of uh, the rest of the modules. I mean, that's innovative, that's interesting, uh, and so on. But anyway, not important. You know, and as I said, what I want to, you know, look at is if, you know, there are places that very openly do things um, that maybe, you know, would be questionable. I mean, I'm not saying that, as I said, I've no suspicion this is the case with Hibernia, uh, but for example, TCU does some very questionable things on the basis of religion. They open up, uh, they open up thirty-two places a year for students from the Church of Ireland, uh, and they get lower points in order to get there. Um, so therefore, it's very easy to find out the proportion of students from different faith backgrounds. Um, the thing is, we won't. I mean, the thing is that's that's DCU. It's a public uh, university. You can find this information out because it's a public university. Now, if Ibernia were doing this, now that I know they're not, uh, but if they were doing this, we wouldn't be able to get this data because they wouldn't have to provide that knowledge. Now, I know it's not a it's not a it's not a great example, but I'm just trying to explain to you the difference between a private body and a public body um, around certain amounts of transparency um, that you know that colleges have to to to, to offer. However, let's let's maybe bring it a little forward, bring this forward a little more. And again, I'm not stating this is the case in any way, shape, or form. I mean, I'm just giving kind of examples that you know might happen. But and I'm also I'm sorry I keep having to say I'm not saying this is the case in any way, shape, or form. But you know that's another difference between me talking about a private body and a, and a public body. And just to be sure, maybe I just won't use Hibernia College as an example, but just in case there's some way. I'm inferring anything, which I'm not. 
um, obviously. Uh, gosh, I sound, I, 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 as you can say, look, I told you I was nervous about doing this episode. Um, but I, look, I'm sh- maybe I'm just being paranoid more so than nervous. But in fairness, as I said, in fairness to Hibernian College, they've been around for almost 20 years. And apart from the odd hiccup, uh, <laughs> my favourite hiccup, by the way, just, uh, and again, it was when the religious education course notes stated, uh, atheist humanism produced the worst horrors history has ever witnessed, namely Nazism, fascism and Marxism. Uh, that's according to Atheist Ireland. Uh, and according to the same group, students were also expected to answer true to the exam statement. Atheist humanism produced the worst horrors history has ever witnessed, uh, which I thought, uh, which I, 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 I actually like bringing up the example, not because it's Hibernian College. I have nothing against them. Um, but uh, I just thought it was, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting uh, that, that, uh, that, that, that actually happened in 2011, I think. So. However, there's nothing to suggest any malpractice or any shenanigans. But with that all in mind, uh, let's say I decide, I decided I'd set up my own private teacher training college. Um, I'm going to call it the Unshot Academy, um, do you know, because I like alliteration. And let's say I was able to uh, be recognised by QQI and I ran teacher training much like every other organisation, much like every other thing. So Unshot Academy uh, it be, it gets recognised by QQI and students paid to come to my college and when they finished their course they would be qualified teachers. Now in some ways Unshot Academy um, I could sway away from what teacher training colleges do. For example I could introduce policies to attract diversity and give discounts to the college um, to certain ethnicities uh, and in fairness that might be welcome now but why should I, Simon Lewis, get to decide that? That's the question I suppose I'm asking. Um, why why do I as a private entity decide that? And effect because effectively I'm running a business. And so what right have I to decide to discriminate positively or negatively? And what if my idea of incentivizing a particular diversity discriminated against others? You know, while my teacher training college, as you'd expect, might positively discriminate in favour of diversity, what if a particular faith group set up a teacher training college and only accepted teachers from their faith group? Now, now, don't laugh. I mean, sure, what was the Church of Ireland College um, when, it, when, it, when it was around in Rat Mines? Uh, it was exactly that. You know, they were able to set their own points uh, in order to access that. Um, the difference there was that it calculated how many teachers from that faith background it needed for its schools. Uh, and, and, that's how it, and that's how it worked. In some ways, it was a feeder college for its church. So basically, what's stopping any other faith group from doing the same thing. So forget about my Ansha Academy, who would probably look for diversity. What if, and I'll just pick a random religion, I'll pick the one that I was raised in so I, I can't be accused of uh, of being, you know, I just discriminatory or, or prejudiced against anyone. Let's say the, the, the Jewish Council of Ireland decided to set up its own private teacher training college uh, so they could get Jewish teachers into the Jewish school. I would imagine there'd be uproar because uh, I, well, maybe there wouldn't, but uh, there's certainly a bro from me because I don't think that's uh, particularly a good idea. Uh, but um, there's nothing stopping it from happening. And they might incentivize uh, teachers from the Jewish faith uh, over people who aren't Jewish, which effectively discriminates against people on the basis of religion. But another angle for a training college um, I might be is uh, would be to decide to save money. OK, maybe I'm in this, this teacher training college. I'm losing a bit of cash here because uh, it was more expensive to run this college than I thought. Theoretically, I could decide to cut the wages of my employees. Even I could pay minimum wage to them for no reason. And I might choose not to have employees at all. Uh, I might just grant contract work so I wouldn't actually have any legal, you know, might not actually have to uh, uphold um, employment law, for example. I just contract contract work all the time. I might 
choose not to update my courses at all and spend any money on updating them every year and just run the same course in any subject for years and not adapt to any changes in the landscape. Now, I'd be a foolish person to do that. Um, you know, I mean, it doesn't, I mean, to be fair on the last point, I mean, all teacher training colleges, public or private, might do this, but there's less control over a private body is what I'm saying. And that is potentially problematic. If you get a renegade teacher training college, like me, I, like I would, if I was to set up a teacher training college like on Shaw Academy, I would be a renegade teacher training college. Um, and what would there really be to stop me from doing a lot of what I wanted with my agenda? I mean, perhaps it doesn't really matter as long as the people coming out of the colleges are qualified to the same QQI levels. So I could do anything I really wanted to as long as uh, people came out fully qualified. But I do kind of question what would be the point of taking the risk of allowing renegade colleges enter the system, which basically feeds into the public system. I mean, what if a college opened and gave one worldview on top of the teacher training that was abhorrent to 21st century values? Now, I'm aware, <laughs> I'm aware, sorry, I can't, I can't resist. I'm aware that all religious bodies currently do that. <laughs> sorry, I really couldn't resist doing that. <coughs> but anyway, more seriously, um, is the elephant in the room that a private college's main raison d'etre isn't to provide education in a kind of altruistic manner. It's may raison d'etre is profit. And that's not a criticism. Any private body's um, raison d'etre is to make money. And what does a need for profit sometimes drive people to do? And again, I'm not saying this is happening, but what does it happen? If you had, if I had Onshot Academy out there and I was in trouble, what is the temptation? Particularly if I'm in financial trouble. Well, I think for this reason alone, we have to be very careful about privatising teacher training colleges or, I, I mean, I, any, any kind of college that provides for public sector. I believe Hibernia College um, is basically the same as every other teacher training college at the moment. The only difference is that it is private. I'd have absolutely no suspicions or any kind of... Um, there's, there's no way. There's no way they're up to mischief or anything, anything like that. But, I mean, my, my argument really is that they, they've served a need in its day and it said it now sits with all the other training colleges in its legitimacy and, and, and gentrification. No better, no worse than any other training college. But theoretically, and I'm only saying theoretically, because it's private, anything could really happen. It may, it may close down, you know, I mean, anything could happen. There's something as innocent as that. Um, but no more so. Uh, that there are debates over private schools and public schools in Ireland, our teacher training colleges should be exempt from being asked questions and when said colleges are not doing anything differently or are particularly needed anymore, it raises the question of should they be brought over and turned into a public institution. And while Hibernia College are doing no worse a job than any of the public colleges, because of what could potentially happen, not, not, not to Hibernia College, but probably more so that if another private college wanted to open, we've set a precedence that we're allowing private colleges to open uh, to do trained teachers. There's nothing stopping a renegade college. Um, whether When I say renegade, I mean that maybe that they would give a particular worldview um, particularly, you know, maybe a ex uh, possible extremist religion. Um, it could be... Um, I don't know, let's say someone who would be a counter to, you know, 21st century norms, you know, they, they, they may um, believe in certain things that are just not acceptable these days. Uh, but, you know, there's nothing to stop these guys opening if we have the precedence that a private college is, is training teachers. And 
ultimately, um, I think that's potentially a dangerous idea to kind of outsource the training to for a public sector job, um, such as a private school, uh, sorry, such as a primary school teaching to a private entity. So I, I, I hope you see where I'm coming from here. It's not actually a, a, what I'm here doing here is I'm not actually uh, criticizing um, Hibernia College. As I said, the story of Hibernia College is, is a wonderful one. Um, I mean, look, to be honest, it's, it, as I said, it's just the same as every other college at the moment, with that one exception of they, they are a precedence now. And ultimately, because they are a precedence, what I would be doing is I would be shutting that door. Well, I'm not saying we can, um, why we, sh we should close down Hibernia now. I mean, it, I, I think it may be absolutely uh, worth thinking about buying it over and turning it into a public body. Um, ultimately, I think we need to stop the door in case of what might come down the line. So listen, I hope that's uh, kind of really, um, you know, I, I don't have much more to say. I think after speaking about it, I, if I was the Minister for Education, I probably would have to close the door now on, on private bodies um, giving teacher training. I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a good idea um, for what could happen in the future. Uh, I know the risk is low, but at the same time, when there's no need for something, I think we, we're probably better off not doing it. So if I were the Minister for Education, I would scrap teacher, uh, private teacher training providers. So there we have it. Um, that is it. Um, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, I, I I know there's a lot of disclaimers throughout it. Um, I I mean, you know, I I hope it's come across in the way it was meant to come across. It wasn't a criticism of Hibernia College at all in any way, shape, or form. I I, I hope it was more so a celebration of its history, uh, how it came to being. Um, I do admire that. Um, I suppose it's uh, matured into what it is now today. Um, and uh, you know, much like any other training college. Uh, but um, look, I mean, as I said, I hope you enjoyed the episode. Uh, and if you have, be sure to tune in every Friday evening where the next episode of If I Were the Minister for Education will be unleashed. Um, I also, this has been recorded on the eve of the um, spring break or Easter holidays. And uh, I, uh, if you're listening to this uh, on the evening of the Friday, I hope you do enjoy your uh, couple of weeks off. Uh, fingers crossed uh, we're, in the, uh, we're, that we're, we're back after the holidays. Uh, at the moment, as I'm recording, we look like we're uh, uh, cases of COVID-19 are increasing again in Ireland and moving into a fourth wave or a fifth wave. Gosh knows uh, what wave we're going into. Anyway, uh, if you uh, did enjoy this podcast and you uh, don't know where you found it from, uh, you can uh, find uh, all the other episodes on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, any other podcasting app, just by searching for onshot.net or Fiverr, the Minister for Education. I'd really appreciate you subscribing to the podcast so each new episode will be available to you immediately after its release. And please also feel free to review the podcast so others can find it more easy. Okay, that's it for me this week. Uh, thanks a million for listening and we'll catch you again. Bye bye. <laughs>